It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Celtics get a win despite letting Buddy Heald have the best game of his life. Marcus Smart is hurt again. And we'll hear from the team doctor on Kemba Walker and how he's doing. It's all on the Locked On Celtics podcast right now. Millie's, let's go. He's so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made ma. Anything's possible. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. It's a Tuesday, and I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com here to talk to you about this 103-102 win over the Sacramento Kings. Celtics back in the winning side of the column after a two-game losing streak. The Celtics let Buddy Heald go bananas. He had 41 points. He shot 11 of 21 from three. He hit 11 three-pointers, which is a team... a personal best. He took 21, a career best. He scored 41, a career best. And the Celtics still managed to win because the Celtics got 24 points out of Jalen Brown and a key stretch in the third quarter out of him. They got 17 points out of Marcus Smart, a key stretch in the fourth quarter out of him. Jason Tatum had 20 for the Celtics. Tremont Waters was really good. And let's start there because Tremont Waters came in and and played well enough that Brad Stevens even adjusted his lineups in the second half. Now, he started Tatum, Ojale, Cantor, Brown, and Smart. But in the second half, it was Wanamaker instead of Ojale. And Brad Stevens said after the game it was because he wanted to get Tremont Waters more time. Waters played 19 minutes and 43 seconds in this game, scored seven points, had a steal, two blocks, although the blocks, I think, felt more like steals, but whatever. It looked like the guy was going up, and he swiped down, and he blocked a shot, I guess. He had three assists, a couple of rebounds, and one awesome jump ball against Yogi Ferrell. But the big number for Tremont Waters, he was a plus 20. A plus 20 in a one-point win, which I know in-game plus-minus is always kind of like iffy, but that really kind of says a lot because uh, looking at all of these other players, and there weren't a lot of other guys who were in the positives who or who were very high in the positives. Tatum a plus four, Cantor a plus nine, Smart a plus two, yet Waters... Managed to be on the floor for 20, outscoring the Kings by 20 points. Now, part of that was in the first quarter when, I'm sorry, the second quarter when the Kings were up 11 and the Celtics turned around and went into the uh, half 
with a lead. In fact, the Celtics managed to whip off a huge run, uh, a 25-7 run to close the first half, and Tremont Waters was on the floor for a bunch of that. So the Celtics got out of their two-way player a pretty nice game, and it was much needed because obviously Kemba didn't play in this game. And when you're down, not just Kemba, Gordon Hayward, also Daniel Tice, because when you're down those three guys, you can start a decent team, but you're sapping an already thin thin bench. So without those three starters, you plug in Cantor and Smart and Ojale. Well, now your your bench is who's your who who's your starter? You know, I mean, who 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 comes in and and is the ball handler off the bench? You know, you rely on Wanamaker, and Wanamaker had his first bad game in a while, and all of a sudden the team's kind of stuck. And without Waters to come in and kind of hold things down, th- this team the the Celtics lose this game. So. A lot of players did a lot of good things. Like Jalen Brown had a stretch where he was awesome and aggressive and playing very well. Jason Tatum had a stretch where he was the same. Marcus Smart down the stretch, like I said, hit a couple of baskets, including one fadeaway that kind of like bounced a couple times on the front of the rim, which was funny because after the game he was like, I can't believe it's happening again. This has to fall for me. And you see it kind of just bounce, bounce, and it went in. Uh, considering the the um, buzzer beater that he missed against the Kings in Sacramento, that bounce, bounce, and fell out. But it was Tremont Waters who kind of settled things down. And you see in Tremont the exact things that we've been looking for uh, out of him, the ability to control a game and see the floor, yeah, he had a couple of ex- a couple of turnovers that you didn't really like, and you had uh, a couple of shots maybe that weren't great. But uh, and and you see how maybe his height can be an issue. Uh, and so you don't want to overreact to one game, but the one game that he had here was was pretty good. It was a pretty good game, and I firmly believe that Tremont's going to make a ton of money playing this game. He's going to be set for life playing the game of basketball at some level somewhere and maybe at the NBA level he's going to be pretty good um, I don't know exactly how good he can be at the NBA level yet obviously he's a rookie he's only played this one game so this could be the best game of his life for all we know but I doubt it because he's he's just such a natural point guard he understands the game he was crossing some guys over he he really gets the pace he really gets how defenses are playing him and he knows how to take advantage of things so the really the only thing holding him back is his height and if he can be effective on the floor despite that and it's not like he's Isaiah Thomas he's he, but he's he's small he can go out there and and be effective. And this year, he he's not going to get called up. Let's get that out of our head. Like he's not. They're not going to convert his two way into a full time uh, spot unless something like 
catastrophic happens down the stretch and, and they need, they absolutely need him. Um, the best bet is to keep him on the two way, sign him to the full contract next year and start his rookie year clock next year rather than converting the contract this year and starting the clock a year early because then you push off his his restricted free agency and and all that stuff. You you just want to space that out as much as you can. So Tremont was was good and he's going to continue to be good. He was the player of the week in the G League for uh for this past week. So he he was he, he's he's very good at this. Um I thought that um the rest of the game sucked to be honest with you. There was up until the last six minutes of the second quarter, the game was pretty terrible. And then through most of the third quarter, the game was pretty terrible. You had that six-minute explosion by the Celtics, like I said, the 25-7 run to close the half. You had the three dunks and the kind of fancy Jalen Brown layup. Uh, one of the dunks was a hilarious, just botched alley-oop by Jalen Brown, who was, I don't know, trying to slap an alley-oop off the dribble, which was weird. But aside from that stretch in the third quarter, I think up until like midway through the fourth, this game kind of was blah. And then you had the Buddy Heald show and the Celtics responding to the Buddy Heald show. And um, that's that, that's kind of how things went. The Celtics were kind of lucky down the stretch Lucky that the Kings kind of missed healed on the final play because he was coming off of a pick and uh, they just missed him. I think they just missed him. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about how did Buddy Heald get so open and what could the Celtics have done about it, if anything. Plus, Marcus Smart is hurt. It's next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. 
You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll tell you what, the Boston Celtics really missed Daniel Tice in this game. Obviously, you miss Kemba Walker. He's an all-star. You miss Gordon Hayward. He was an all-star. And playing at an all-star level. So it's obvious that they're going to miss those two guys. But a lot of people don't really, if you're not really paying close enough attention, you're not really seeing how Daniel Tice is affecting games. And you could see it in this game, having watched some of those Buddy healed three-pointers again, especially when Ennis Cantor was out there. There was nobody to switch. The Celtics have been an extraordinarily effective defense, in part because they can switch across the board when Tice is out there. And Tice has the ability to switch onto most of these players, these wings, and be effective in short stretches. Now, he's not going to go pick up uh, Buddy Heald and chase him around the floor, but when there's a pick being set and the whomever is on on Heald at that moment, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, whomever is getting picked off, if, if there's nobody to switch, then basically Heald just gets enough open space that he, he gets going. Now, the Celtics did get as Brad Stevens explained after the game, too low. And when he's talking about team being guys being too low, it means that they're not up in Buddy Heald's body when they're defending him, which means when the pick comes, they, they end up sticking to the pick. Uh, it makes the pick more effective. Add to that that the Kings were setting picks at, at really good angles, which means they – sprung healed and gave him that extra half second to get his shot off. So you combine the Celtics defense, uh, the defenders not being up tight enough on Buddy Heald. So when he comes off those picks and catches that they're there in his airspace when he shoots, combine that with the picks that were set and how, um, how that was effective and then the added element of not having Daniel Tice to switch onto De- Buddy Heald in that moment to contest the three, to get a hand up and make that three difficult, or run Heald off of the three-point line. And then this way, the guy behind Tice, in some cases whomever Buddy Heald's defender was, could either pick up Tice's guy or can rotate over and trap Buddy Heald or something, make him give up the ball, force somebody else to make a play. Having Cantor out there was difficult. He's just not good defensively. And there's, I mean, there's nothing you could say about that. He'll have his moments, but he just, you can't switch. You absolutely couldn't switch him. Can you imagine if Buddy Heald got Cantor on a switch? Jesus, that you're better off letting the the guy fight over the the pick, but uh, without Tice, the Celtics really suffered. And maybe Heald would have gone off and still had some kind of uh, great game, but maybe it wouldn't have been 
a career game where he had you like has the best shooting game of his life. So uh, Daniel Tice turns out to be very important. He now he's he's sick. Hopefully he's going to be well enough to play against the Brooklyn Nets. They're going to need him against the Nets. Uh, we'll talk about maybe getting Kemba back in the next segment. Uh, hopefully they also have Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart got hurt in this game. If you saw him run off uh, after the game, the, the Celtics forced a miss and all of a sudden Marcus Smart kind of ran off holding his hand and it, you could see Abby Chin trying to get him for the post-game interview and he just kind of ran past her and holding his finger. She she said, he said, that is, I can't, my finger. And then after the game, he said that he jammed his left ring finger uh, a couple of times in the game. It happened earlier in the game and then he said, just kind of when I got my feeling back in that, it happened again on the last play. It's something that was aggravated from Team USA. It was an injury that he suffered in Team USA that seemed to get better, and then now it's not better anymore. So you throw that with the hip issue, the right hip. He's got like a bone bruise or something on that right hip where he you can see him after the game in Denver he, he had the ice packs on on his right hip that's that's bothering him the ankle is i'm sure still sore but he's playing through that he dislocated two fingers on his right hand uh he, he seems to be playing through that or i don't know if that's better i i called him on mass live for a piece that's publishing in the morning i basically said he's deadpool at this point because you can doesn't matter what you do to him he's going to heal or play through it i guess like you can do whatever you can drop the jumbotron on him you can run him over with the zamboni as you lay down the ice it doesn't matter like marcus smart's just going to keep on going so i don't know what the final injury is going to be that finally gets the celtics to kind of rest him a little bit maybe they're going to try and keep him out there until kemba and gordon come back but uh just another thing for Marcus Smart. He says it's fine. He says it's fine. He's going to play. So it's not, it's, it's maybe the least consequential digit of his, you know, left ring finger off, off hand, not the shooting hand. So whatever. <laughs> it's just kind of wild to see Marcus Smart get his ass kicked as much as he, as he has. Okay. When we come back out of the break, the Celtics, they didn't have Kemba speak. I thought Kemba was going to speak in the Monday podcast. You might have heard me say that Kemba was going to speak. He did not. What the Celtics did instead was put the team doctor up there. So I'm going to play the entire explanation from the team doctor after the break so you can hear word for word, step by step, everything that happened to Kemba Walker in Denver, all the testing that they did, everything. So stick around. It's about six minutes. We're going to do that out of the break uh, next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. 
Like I said before the break, Tony Shenna, the team doctor for the Boston Celtics, examined Kemba Walker, was in on the entire process, and spoke to the media before the Celtics-Kings game and gave a detailed beginning to end everything that happened, all of the testing that they ran on Kemba Walker. So here is the complete press conference, uh, minus the questions at the end, but all of the explanation from Dr. Shenna on what happened with Kemba Walker. I'm Tony Shenna. I'm the team doc for the Celtics. Um, Guy Napolitano, who's our uh, medical doc with me, is with me too. Um, Basically, everybody who was watching the game probably cringed as much as I did on Friday night when uh, Kemba ran into Shemi. And, um, you know, it looked like it was going to be a very serious injury. And thankfully, it turned out not to be a very serious injury. But... It, was, it created such a stir, and we were so concerned enough that we felt I should come out here and at least walk through the last 72 hours so everybody kind of knows what we did, and then answer any questions you may have. Um, any head and neck injury is taken seriously, so you know, I, we think that the, the way everything played out was, a very, it was done very professionally, and I don't know if we would have ever changed anything. Um, in general, the Celtics are very supportive of the medical staff, the uh, ownership, the management, and the coaches, pretty much, you know, they let us do what we need to do. And if we think somebody, somebody should stay out or we need, they think they need further tests, they kind of let us do our thing. Um, in Kemba's case, again, for everybody who watched it, he ran head, into, uh, head down into Shemi. Um, when he landed, he uh, basically had numbness and tingling in his hands. And you can imagine that kind of... <clears throat> Gave him a little bit of a shock. He was kind of freaked out by the, the whole thing a little bit and just uh, needed a couple of seconds to collect himself. There, he never lost consciousness. Um, and uh, he, he uh, basically stayed on the floor mostly as a medical precaution. The medical team was out there immediately. Um, because of the mechanism and because he had numbness and tingling in his hands, uh, they took full spine precautions, which is what everybody saw play out on TV means they had to put him on a, the spine board, they had to collar him, they had to, and then they had to bring him basically first to the back of the uh, Pepsi Center where he had an initial x-ray done to make sure that at least everything looked pretty good, and it did. It was a negative x-ray. And then he was brought to a level one trauma center where he received a full neurologic evaluation. Um, a full set of x-rays were done. That was followed up by an MRI, and then by another special set of x-rays once they knew that the structures were all stable in his neck, to make sure that uh, the motion was intact and everything was normal. Essentially, he had no significant uh, structural damage to the bony architecture of his neck or the soft tissue around his neck. Um, After the emergency room, physicians did their evaluation. A neurosurgeon also did an evaluation and reviewed all the imaging. Um, Because he was going to be traveling and they felt very comfortable having him go home with the team, he was placed into a soft collar. Um, he traveled back with the team the next day. When he arrived, we brought him to the Auerbach facility where we did a full evaluation, myself and a spine uh, surgeon, Dr. Eric Karkner from the New England Baptist. Um, he reviewed the imaging, and then we actually sent it to our CN, uh, cervical spine specialist at the New England Baptist, Tal Rankus. So we had our own radiologist review all the imaging as well. Um, Dr. Karkner did his evaluation separate from us, so that way he could have an unbiased exam. And at that point, Kemba had no symptoms, 
and he was feeling really well, and he passed the, he passed the exam. Because of the nature of the injury and our concern about running headlong into Shemi, who is a solid individual, um, he had no concussion symptoms, but we went through the concussion protocol anyway. And so what that meant is on Saturday, he had a full cognitive, cognitive review with Dr. Napolitano, and he passed that. On Sunday, again, he woke up, no symptoms. He went to the facility. Uh, preseason, everybody has a uh, preseason evaluation, so he, he went through the same testing in our facility. He passed that without any issue. So then he did a light exercise program, which he also passed. And then today, Dr. Hegert, I want to make sure I say her name right, Lenore Hegert at Mass General, she is an outside physician who, special, who helps us with our concussion evaluation. We basically send the players over there, and she does a full evaluation on her own. She also does a cognitive evaluation and did a cervical spine evaluation, and she found no issues with that event. So he basically passed every aspect. The, only, the last aspect of the concussion protocol would be for him to participate in a practice, which will be tomorrow. So that brings us to tonight. So tonight, he's feeling well. He has no symptoms. Um, he, um, he really, we're just going to just get him to a full practice and then have him just continue to progress from there. Um, you know, in general, uh, it's, it's difficult to, you know, to do an initial evaluation and come up with, hey, what's going on in that instance? If somebody has that kind of mechanism, you basically want to take every precaution possible. And the, uh, the Denver organization, the physicians, they did a fantastic job. Um, it always looks scary, and sometimes it ends up being, being a problem. You can't judge mechanism alone on how bad this injury is going to be. Some people have a relatively simple mechanism, and they have a bad injury. Some people have what looks like it's going to be a bad injury, and they do quite well. Luckily, Kemba was in the second category. He's done very well. Um, so... You know, we're obviously extremely happy that we're in this position now, that his injury turned out to be not too significant. Um, we want everybody to understand that that's not always the case. So if you have any of these injuries, they should always be treated with the utmost precaution. And we should always make sure that, if, you know, we will always go through the exact same protocol. If something would happen tonight, <coughs> you, you would see us do the exact same thing that our colleagues did out in Denver. So like I said before, the Q&A part I left out because kind of unrelated. He said he was asked how badly... Kemba wanted to play, and he obviously wants to play. He also said this is unrelated unrelated to the stinger from Team USA that, that he had been dealing with. So this is not something that was made worse. It's not something that happened because of that stinger. It's just unrelated. It's a thing that happened. Uh, then uh, he said he, it's not – He's not susceptible to more if, if it happens again. Like basically said, he's the same as he was before. So the ultimate lesson here is Kemba got lucky, man. He really just got lucky. He hit at an angle that didn't cause any significant damage. The initial thing that happened, apparently he never got knocked out. Um, so I know the video kind of looks like he got knocked out, but they say he was never unconscious. He was never diagnosed with a concussion. They still put him through the steps of the concussion protocol, even though he did not enter the concussion protocol officially, but they put him through those steps anyway, just as a precaution. And apparently 
It was, you know, you now have doctors in Denver, uh, the team doctor, an independent doctor, uh, a separate doctor, another independent doctor looking at the results from a different hospital. You've got a lot of people involved here, and it appears that everyone is in agreement. It's just, that's a lot. From what I gathered from everything they said, it's just a lot of testing. They, they've done all of the tests that you could ask for. And they're going to give him that one extra step of going through a practice. Now, the Celtics don't have an official practice scheduled for Tuesday, but he's going to go through whatever it is that they do. I'm sure they, they say it's game film and individual workouts. I'm sure that they do a little bit more than that, but whatever. They don't have to call it an official practice. Whatever it is, Kemba's going to go through it. And if he feels good, then I would guess he comes back against the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, it's it's just wild to think, as Chuck and I talked about on the Monday show, it's wild to think that Kemba's going to be back out there, but he's he walked into the arena. I didn't see him after the game. I didn't see him during the game, but he walked into the arena. He seemed fine. So no signs of a concussion, just the neck sprain, just dealing with whatever pain is involved with that. But other than that, he's structurally fine. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. So stick with the Locked On Celtics podcast for all of your Kemba updates, all of your Celtics updates, and much, much more on this game and future games and some special guests coming up hopefully for the Wednesday show. So stick around for that. Uh, it should be fun. So subscribe because you're going to want to hear the Wednesday show. Hopefully. I'm assuming that unless the guest falls through. So that's why I'm not saying who it is yet. But um, it should be a fun show anyway, regardless. Uh, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can go ahead and give us a five-star rating and a good written review. And, of course, spread the word. Tell your friends to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.